The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning, my friends, or I should say, excuse me, good evening. Ah, new showtime. Uh, eh? Creature of habit, I guess I am. Yes, indeed. It is Saturday night. And the show is Hi-Fi Radio, week two in the new time slot. Uh, the show about money, my good friends. We're here to help you have more of it. Who are we? Well, I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager. Uh, some call us the Wolfman Jack. Others the Wolf on Bay Street. Uh, how does this think? Uh, hey, we do a pretty good job. And uh, if you're interested at any time through the show, you can uh, reach out to us, WolfgangKlein.com the website uh lots up there for you to uh review learn read and uh, again if interested you can contact us anytime um it's gonna be a great show today uh javid mirza is joining us javid is a market technician uh technical analysis uh he basically looks at price movement price action charts in other words um you know, it's, it's incredible because with respect to a company, with respect to the market, uh, all the information, for the most part, most of the information is readily um, digested by all market participants and summed up in one number, and that's called price. You know, if there's one thing you want to look at, just one thing with respect to the market, it's price and movement of price. And that's what charting is all about. Uh, Javid, I want to thank you very kindly for joining us, our technician guru at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Javid, you do a great job. Uh, I'm very, very respectful of your work. Uh, here we are in the uh, seasonal week month for the market. Uh, COVID-19 uh, is uh, still with us and cases are on the up. Tick. A little bit of market volatility uh, this week, but nothing to really complain about, uh, considering the move this market has had. Um, it's been unbelievable. And I, I'm going to say one thing to you. I'm going to open with a compliment to get you going here, Javid. You were the first analyst uh, to call new highs for this market during the pandemic. Like You, you really were a lone wolf. Um, and people, you know, there were doubters out there. And I was saying, wow, that'd be amazing. And I, I, of course, have my optimistic uh, lens on and stay very close with you and beside you throughout the process. So, number one, kudos to you, Javit. Um, Number two, thank you for joining Jack and I. And number three, I'm going to say, how are you doing? Well, first of all, thanks for all that, Uh, Wolfgang. Really appreciate your support. Uh, I love working with you. I know you and I work pretty closely together. And during the pandemic, we exchanged a variety of emails. Uh, It was a challenging time for everyone, of course. Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, I work Saturday and Sunday from home on my weekly notes, so I'm used to working from the home office. But of course, this has been an adjustment for everyone. But I think one thing I would note is that people in general, I think, have have really uh, pitched in and tried to help out and trying to work through this as much uh, as possible. I'm just talking about the broader population. I'm really uh, excited and happy about how everyone is uh, is dealing uh, with this crisis. 
Uh, well, it certainly is a crisis, and we have to continue to respect the crisis. But this is where the disconnect comes in uh, for the average viewer and listener uh, of the market. Here we are in the middle of a once-in-a-hundred-year pandemic that is global in nature. Um, I think is it 20? I'm not even sure how many people have died from this disease and how many people have contracted. I think 25 million global cases. Uh, and I guess one or two percent of that would be the mortality rate. Um, so we're, we're talking about a very serious crisis. Yet the stock market, uh, Nasdaq, tech heavy, of course, uh, work at home theme, making all time highs. Uh, the S&P 500 uh, made all time highs and the Dow Industrials trying to um, uh, get back to even on the year, but still putting in a good performance, similar story with the Toronto marketplace. Um, Gavin, it is a new bull market. Uh, and again, I saw a piece out by Bank of America. And in that piece, it said 58% of Wall Streeters believe it's a bull market. I was surprised by that number, Javid, 58%. Like the uh, textbook, is it or is it not a bull market? I think that's a black and white question, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So our work, as you know, and you've had us on quite a few times, so regular listeners of your show uh, will recall that we said we're in a secular bull market with upside out to call it ballpark 2030. And what's happened is this is the first pre-called recession where people have voluntarily shut down their economies and led to a decline in economic output. And as a result, uh, we were, after the end of 2018, starting a new cyclical bull. And these cyclical bull markets typically last three to five years. But with the pandemic, it rushed us through the latter stages of that typical bull market. And so now we're starting a new cyclical bull. And I'd say we're towards the latter half of phase one and getting ready to enter into phase two. And typically, these uh, bull market, cyclical bull market cycles have around five, five phases. Um, again, so you, so you threw out some terminology. It's Saturday night, my good friend. Uh, if you're just tuning in, the show is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. My name is Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager. Jack Hartle is my partner. He, too, is a portfolio manager. So when clients uh, work with us, they get two managers for the price of one plus an entire team around them. Javed uh, Mirza is our technician. He's a market uh, technician. He studies charts. He studies price action. Um, he, he, with the market, is looking forward, not at the present day. Um, he, he, he put out two terms uh, during this, the, the hit here. Uh, one, cyclical, two, secular. These are important words. Cyclical, we all understand it's a cycle. And when it comes to the business cycle, which dovetails into the market cycle, it tends to run at a three to five year pace, at which point you get yourself a recession and then a new cycle begins. But against that can be a backdrop of a secular move, which is a decade to two decade duration move. Uh, and, and right now, J- Javid believes, I'm in his camp, that we are in a secular bull market that began uh, when, Javid, roughly 2009, I guess, at the end of the financial crisis. Yeah, 2009, crisis. 2011. I mean, we're splitting hairs there a little bit, but yeah. uh, either of those uh, are ring true. But this is very true because if you look at 100-year charts for the market, um, you see the period when the market advances uh, precipitously with some with some cyclical volatility and cyclical recession and cyclical bear markets, but short-lived. But it tends to run for periods of about 20 years up, 20 years sideways. And uh, again, 1982 to 2000 was a secular bull 
market with a few cyclical bears in there. And then 2000 to 2009, 2010, for America, for the United States, that was a a secular bear market, believe it or not. We Canadians don't appreciate that because the TSX uh, was, was going gangbusters with the commodity boom. You saw the Canadian dollar during 2000 to 2008, 2009 go to par, par plus, and then it ended, and then the Dow picked up and overtook the TSX, and away we went. Look, we're going to go to commercial break, get back with uh, our market technician. We're going to uh, dial into Jack. He's already on the line, waiting to uh, chomping at the bit to join us on the show. Uh, spend some money, spend some time, uh, enjoy yourself. It's Saturday night. It's Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. We're going to help you have more of it. You stay tuned. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Good evening, my friends. Saturday night. Why not? Finances matter. They always matter. Hey, perhaps you got yourself a pizza en route, uh, some skip the dishes. Who knows what? But, uh, well, currency will allow you to transact. Uh, digital, uh, see it, call it what you want. Uh, it's all about money. You need money. And that's what Jack and I are going to help you have more of. Uh, we're joined with Javid Mirza. Javid is a market technician with Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, a member of the Wolf on Bay Street team, by the way. Any questions, more interest in what Jack and I do and how we can help you, visit us, please, wolfgangkline.com. Uh, Jack, how are you keeping? And uh, from a uh, market technical point of view, um, uh, give Javid a little Q&A here. Sure. Yeah, feeling pretty good, Wolf and uh, Javid. Thanks for joining us. We always appreciate your uh, your commentary on you know the, the price and the, the volume of the market, what you're seeing out there. What do you um, part of the market uh, technicals? I would say is the sentiment of the market, how people are feeling. And right now, there's when I mean, we're talking to clients, you know, we're, they're really climbing a wall of worry. And the biggest thing that they see in front of them right now is the U.S. election and all the uncertainty around it. So, what are you seeing in the uh, the sentiment indicators and how? Can you potentially take advantage of that uh, in the you know medium to uh, to near future? Uh, that's a great question. So uh, one of the sentiment indicators we just look at is investor sentiment, how they're feeling about the market. And right now, in aggregate, uh, investors remain pretty cautious, and they've been actually, uh, I think the term you used there perfectly is wall of worry. They've been cautious uh, on this on equity markets during this whole run up. Now, one of the things that does have me a little bit concerned, and I think was one of the precursors, we've been talking about our concerns about an intermediate term or one to two month correction. And one of the things that I'm a little bit worried about is the put call ratio. And simply put, uh, calls are what uh, advanced investors buy when they think the price of a stock is going to go up, and puts are what they buy when they think the price of a stock is going to go down. And typically, they use that to to hedge their long positions. And what we're seeing over the last little while is that, and I'm sure people are experiencing this. A lot of people are working from home. They have some extra time on their hands, maybe, or uh, for whatever reason, maybe it's just easier access to Robinhood. But we're seeing a lot of retail traders uh, taking advantage of 
uh, the market movements and the volatility during the pandemic, but they've actually gravitated towards options. And what we can see in the option market is that they're buying far more calls than puts. And before the pullback we saw over the last two weeks, they were actually at extreme levels of call buying, uh, which indicates that they think the market is going to go up. And so this is one of the sentiment indicators we're, we're using here. And uh, over the last two weeks, we've had a reset to more neutral levels. But once again, it's starting to, to creep up onto the more call side. So this is definitely one of the indicators that we monitor. And when we put out our weekly note on the weekend that goes to you and Wolfgang, uh, we highlight uh, where this indicator is and what our views are just so we can get a better track. So right now, I would say sentiment for the most part is, is somewhat mixed. I think right now we're trading in no man's land. Uh, we're in between some key technical levels. Um, and uh, it's going to take a break out of those levels to determine the direction of the trend for the next month or two. But we are going to break out within probably the next week or so. And then, of course, we'll be guiding uh, your team and others here uh, on what direction uh, we think the market is going to take in the intermediate term. And the reason that's really useful is because it can really help guide your decisions on at the margin when to buy or sell. And I think, you know, there's a lot of fundamental information out there, but if we can help you guys make another 5 or 10% at the margin on buying or selling, uh, it really helps add up over time. No question. I want to jump back in here, gentlemen. Um, Jack, you, you, first of all, Jack, you're sounding very good today. Thank you for that. Uh, good energy. <laughs> uh, you know, you do. You sound great, Jack. Well done. Um, uh, but, but, Jack, you did ask a great question. Let's go back and let's, let's take it to the second derivative. Because, uh, Jack, you're right. Every client you and I speak with, uh, any kind of hesitation, it's, it's about that election in the United States. So, uh, Javid, uh, again, based on your work, uh, and Jack and I have looked at some work from our bespoke investment research subscription that we spend about five grand a year on, and uh, they, they demonstrate that, um, in fact, um, uh, a Republican uh, a victory will be less friendly to the market and more volatile to the market than a Democratic victory. So in other words, uh, if uh, Joe Biden uh, becomes president, the market could in fact perform better uh, than it would under a Trump uh, administration. Um, that said, uh, what do you think about the, the market? Does it care about the election? Because again, Javid, uh, Jack and I read some work from Fidelity, and they say they think it's fully priced in. Both COVID is priced into the market, as is the U.S. election, and it's and the market is truly looking into 2021. It's not looking at the U.S. election, yet retail investors are. Javid, please speak to that. Yeah, so that's a great question, some great points. It's funny, a couple of years ago, we did a study on the exact same thing, looking not only at how uh, markets fare in the U.S., but also here in Canada how they uh, fare under a variety of uh, progressive, conservative, or liberal governments. And we came to that exact same conclusion regarding how uh, the markets actually perform better under the Democrats. So I think the, the only thing that I would speak to is definitely that you're going to see an increase in volatility over the next uh, month or two as we head into the election. Uh, so I think that will lead to sharper price movements. But I agree with you in general. The market is looking forward and ahead into 2021 and traversing this landscape and beating uh, the pandemic, or at least uh, alleviating uh, the majority of the negative impacts. Well, what kind, Javid, of downside risk do you think the market has in it uh, for the remainder of this year? And when do you see the maximum point uh, for some downside risk? And the reason I'm asking the question, Javid, is because 
Jack and I did peel off some money. We, we do have a pretty big reserve of cash right now. Uh, and Javid, look, we had to take money off the table. Good golly. Names like DocuSign that Jack and I picked up for 60 bucks. We sold them for 200 bucks. We, we, we had to take some profit because you know something, my good friend? Bulls make money. Bears make money. Pigs get slaughtered. So we don't want to get slaughtered. So do you think we're going to have an opportunity to deploy some of that cash in the near term? Give, give us some advice so we can better serve our clients. Yeah, so I, I definitely do think uh, over the next two months there is going to be uh, some uh, wider corrective phases where you can continue to pick away and uh, look to deploy capital. I, I really like the fact that you have trimmed a little bit of exposure there. And one of the things I would say is uh, something we've highlighted in our notes over the last month and a bit is just this rotation away from the work-from-home stocks that have been working, and you've already seen them uh, get hit quite a bit. Uh, Docu, uh, DocuSign is, 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 of course, one of those uh, stocks. And uh, as well as uh, we're seeing a rotation out of the FANG names, so we're actually seeing the NASDAQ underperform the broader market, which is great from a market breadth perspective because what we're seeing is a rotation into a lot of the more uh, names that have been names and sectors that have been hard hit by the pandemic. So call it REITs. Uh, financials and industrials. So I do like, uh, you know, the fact that we have some cash to deploy. I would be looking to deploy some of that cash into some of those sectors, but I do like keeping some on the sidelines because we do see the potential for this intermediate term correction. So you were asking uh, about downside potential. Uh, downside potential was around 10% from where we are now. So right now we're trading around 3350 on the S&P 500. Uh, and we could see downside to around 3100 uh, over the next couple of weeks, and that we would view, as we discussed before, as a longer-term uh, entry point. See, and, and that, my good friend, uh, friends at home, and again, Saturday night show about money, this is where the challenge lies. Jack and I are hoping for a pullback. We want to see the market fall. Give us a chance to buy great businesses on sale. Uh, friends at home, that's a very difficult thing to do because when prices fall, the story will be bad and it will make everyone shake in their boots and they won't be able to deploy the capital. And that's where a cool, steady hand and a partnership with technicians like Javit helped Jack and I make prudent decisions and opportunistic decisions on behalf of you, our very good friends. Uh, Javit Mirza, a technician with Canico Genuity Wealth Management, team member of the Wolf on Bay Street. Can't thank you enough for your wisdom. Uh, you have yourself a great weekend. Uh, be safe, my good friend, and I look forward to uh, receiving your uh, piece on Sunday evening. Uh, more show, Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hello, my good friends. I hope you are getting by. Jack and I are here to help you get by a little easier when it comes to your finances. Money, my good friends, matters. And that's what this show is all about. It's a money show. I'm a portfolio manager. My name is Wolfgang Klein. The show, Hi-Fi Radio. Yes, we like to weave in a little fidelity because uh, music makes everything so much easier to deal with. Uh, Jack, of course, my partner, portfolio manager as well, a longtime Friend of mine, John Johnston, a frequent guest on Hi-Fi Radio, graciously joining us. John, I take it you're now 
80 percent, 90 percent a retired strategist, but still a very keen student of the market? Or are you actually still consulting a little bit? Well, I'm about I'm two thirds retired, one third working. Two thirds, one third. Eh? That's good. Yeah. That's good. It's it's, well, it's a good balance. Lots of time to have some fun, and enough time to stay engaged and you know mentally challenged. No, that 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 is very very important. Um, well, of course, whenever I play uh, the Grateful Dead, uh, it's, it's a good cue that you're joining us. Uh, you're the only guest I play the Dead. And, of course, my good friend Jack is about to acquire an amazing record collection. I I had a personal collection, and I collected other collections over the years. And so I had doubles and even triples of some great stuff. And it's incredible because if you have a double of anything in your collection because someone gave you a collection, it's probably – in fact, a really good record. It's, of course, everyone bought, you know, the, the, the classics were the ones that sold. Everyone had rumors. Everyone had Dark Side of the Moon. Um, you know, everyone had uh, uh, Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. They go, those are classics. That's all the stuff Jack's getting. I said, and I said to Jack, I don't have one grateful record uh, in my collection. Not one. Uh, so uh, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, just say, but uh, that, that, that's your band. You love the band. And uh, so here I am at the same time, we're just talking about connectivity and the work at home theme. Um, as uh, some guests know, uh, I'm in the process of uh, moving into a new home just around the corner. And uh, boy, oh boy, there's work to do. And of course, the work at home theme uh, ensures that I have proper connectivity uh, to where I'm going. Um, you know, technology, as wonderful and as seamless as it is, getting the uh, hardware, the infrastructure, the pipeline set up is a challenge. And uh, you want to do it once and you want to do it right. And uh, because if you don't, you're not going to be very happy with the outcome. And uh, Ryan Spencer from Babel Radio is gracious enough, and he's been a guest on this show, to join me at my home and do a walkthrough. And um, he's trying to simplify everything, uh, but it's a complicated world. No different than the market. Uh, it, it's a complicated world. Jack and I try to simplify things, and we, we actually have a very simplified process that works um, for this complex world. The thing with technology, there is just so many different elements you must now consider. Of course, there's audio, there's video, there's home security, there's lighting, there's apps, there's internet connectivity, there's monitoring. There is the question, how many people will be consuming data from the network and and is the carrier providing you with the best network available and should you go rogers should you go bell and jack you just tell me that you've just what the joined on with virgin did you say we are yeah we're actually increasing the speeds for uh, work at home and our kids are getting more online as well so they're on youtube they're on netflix and uh, they're consuming a lot of that data so uh, we want to make sure that we got high speed so that we can obviously be connected and obviously get the, the, the proper service and uh, and video that we, we're looking for well, yeah and, and you and i of course are trading in, in, in real time uh and, yeah. and time matters uh you know a 10 second delay of trade can, can affect uh the the, the book of business by I don't know, half a million bucks. Uh, you know, stocks can move very, very quickly. Some of them, of course, and uh, time can matter a whole lot. But uh, JJ, again, I, 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 I use that as a segue to bring you on board here for us. Um, uh, a, a fan of the Grateful Dead, a man who's seen, who's seen the band but 50, 60 times. Uh, could you have ever imagined a, a time uh, as near into the future as today, 2020, that we would um, be able to have the capability of working at home uh, to the degree and reliance uh, and reliability that we currently are. 
No, it's it's been quite something. I just I look back on, um, you know, as we came online with the internet and the for for more business purposes in the second half of the '90s, and uh, you know how pervasive it's become. I remember trying to you know sort my way through Stats Can stuff to look at things, and it took forever. Oh. And now it's at the tip of our fingers. And I oh. remember my first BlackBerry one. I worked at the with you at the bank and it didn't have a phone on it. I had a cell phone, uh, in one pocket and I had uh, a Blackberry for my emails in another pocket. And you had a Sony Walkman in your third pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And now I've got one thing, a computer that works, that works with my email. It works as a computer. It works as an iPod or a Walkman, uh, and a phone all at once. And, uh, but again, but sorry, 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 no, sorry to jump in here, but again, I, I always go back to you, Jack, and you'll appreciate this. The computing power uh, of the mission that got man on the moon was inferior, I believe, inferior to our current handheld device. Am I, am I right there, guys? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it truly, truly is. Uh, anyways, uh, you got your eye on the market, as do Jack and I. Um, so here we are, JJ, uh, near all-time highs uh, for the NASDAQ, for gold, uh, for the S&P 500. Um, what do you make of it? Where do you think we go from here for the rest of the year? I want you to also speak to uh, the U.S. election. Uh, has the market fully discounted it, or is that going to present a surprise uh, perhaps um, a pocket of air in the market. That's sort of what everyone's expecting. And and what, what's your call for 2021, JJ? Well, well, that you've left it open ended. I could go on for 45 minutes, but let's try and try to keep it focused here. Uh, my sense is is that you know we had a big market decline, and now we've bounced back. And usually, after big market declines, you don't have another one for you know some number of years. Uh, so I suspect that as we look out, s- equity markets have reasonably smooth sailing ahead. That doesn't mean there's not going to be air pockets and corrections. In fact, I think we're in an intermediate correction as we speak. Uh, I think the big gains off the lows are obviously behind us. We're not, and I think it's going to be more of a, uh upward crawl an uneven upward crawl here for the markets. And I think the same thing for the economies. You know, we had the Bank of Canada had a great way of phrasing it. You had the shutdown and the collapse, and then you had a reopening phase where everything rebounds very quickly. Uh, but then you get to a point where you've got to wait for the virus to fade. You know, there's more uneven opening. Segments of the economy don't fully open up, and there's structural damage. So we're, I think we're transitioning now to the very fast part of the economic rebound into a much flatter profile going forward and uneven, depending on the evolution of the virus and on the structural damage done to you know various economies. You had economies where people depended on cash flow to meet their living needs and their debt um, commitments, and the cash flows basically went to zero for a period of time, and then with some government support. But uh, uh, I think that there's some challenges ahead. I th- I'm inclined to think that... Um, over between now and the end of 2021, uh, my feeling is is that we're going to see a general upward trajectory in the Canadian, U.S., and global economies. It may not be spectacular, 
But if we look back to what happened after the 2008-2009 financial crisis, you had a bounce back, but then you had a kind of an uneven trajectory uh, through 2010, 12, 13, even, and into 14, and yet markets did okay. They were volatile, and I, I think that's the kind of scenario we're in now. I think that, you know, this intermediate correction will kind of work its way through. We're seeing, you know, the second wave picking up in a number of economies in terms of COVID infections, which means that there'll be some retreat in terms of the reopening of economies. I don't necessarily think governments, I don't believe governments are going to go back to a full shutdown. I think it's too costly financially for them, financially for individuals, and also emotionally and uh, mentally for people. But I think people are also going to self-isolate again to a degree. So uh, I think we're in a bit of an uneven patch here in the near term. And that U.S. election is on the horizon. And it, I, when I think of it, I've got a real sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. <laughs> and I, I think it's also one of the things that we need to pay attention to is Brexit, right? Here you've got the UK and the US, the two greatest democracies in history, the two countries that have set the gold standard for contract law and legal standards, and they're undermining their own institutions and the institutions of democracy more so in the US. And uh, I think there are so many potential outcomes for the US election. Uh, and I think they lean more to the downside and the potential for a nasty surprise than it does for a favorable surprise on the upside. And I think any favorable surprise that leads to fun any outcome that leads to a functional government in the United States would be a favorable surprise, even if it was herds of goats occupying the House, the Senate, and the White House. We don't want to underestimate Brexit. The, the UK government is tearing up a trade deal. Uh, potentially and isolating itself, and we could see one, you know the sixth largest economy in the world uh, in trade purgatory. And uh, I think that there's some worries there in terms of the erosion of these institutions that we all depend on and we take for granted uh, as we make these investments. Uh, John Johnson, aka JJ, my buddy, you are one very smart cookie. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. You two sound very, very good today, uh, man, Jack. JJ, sounding like rock stars. The show is Hi-Fi Radio Saturday night. It's a pleasure to join you for an hour this evening, each and every Saturday. Of course, Jack will be here for your financial needs. Any questions between now and then, of course, WolfgangKlein.com. We're going to take a quick break and get right back with John Johnson, a former strategist, well, semi-strategist, two-thirds retired, one-third working, and uh, a whole lot of creativity and wisdom to share. A man who's been on Bay Street uh, for pretty near 40 years. 30 years. Pretty near. You stay tuned, my good friends. We'll get right back to the show. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. the show my good friends about money the beastie boys for you uh yes jack's about to pick up an amazing record collection from his buddy wolf gang uh probably about 110 120 pieces of double that i've had vinyl we're talking and uh no no beastie boys in that collection my good friends no that's just uh, a little more of a digital age or pretty much the uh, turn of the digital uh, point in time when it came to music uh yeah jj i just got my turntable set up in my New abode. Well, my house is empty. The uh, first thing in the house was my turntable. I had to play some records. First thing on the uh, table, David Bowie, 
followed by Kate Bush. You know that red record? Oh, what a great record that is. And yeah. I think you get a copy of that one as well there, uh, Jack. Uh, but it's fun, you know? Uh, I sort of felt like Tom Cruise. Um, you know, uh, it was, what was that movie where he's running across the floor? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I felt like. Oh, it was so much fun. Anyways, back to business. We're talking money. Uh, Ti-Fi Radio is a show about just that. Uh, I'm Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager, keeper of many's hard-earned dough, trying to make it grow, and that's what we do. Uh, John Johnson, good friend of mine from Bay Street, uh, been on the street for well over 30 years, and a very, very smart man. A pleasure to have you uh, on the show again, John. You're speaking um, about the uneasy feeling in your stomach about the U.S. election. Uh, I want you to speak more about that. Again, uh, it is front and center uh, in, 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 I think, most people's minds as to how that is going to play out and how much risk exists around uh, the upcoming election in America with respect to the stock market. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's always hard to um, deal with political risk because a lot of the times you worry about things happening politically or militarily, and it's only the really big stuff that has a, an impact, stuff that can impact earnings over the, the longer run or the, the performance of the economy over a prolonged period of time, which, of course, drives those earnings numbers. So I, I think we have to to kind of look at the possible range of outcomes. And I think, you know, one of the areas that we, you know, I think is at risk coming through this, and it may be the case under any combination of... Um, party victories in you know in the house the senate and the presidency is that there's these big tech companies and uh there's moves afoot not just in the u.s but elsewhere to rein them into a degree and one of the problems is the ability to regulate them uh we're, we're in a situation where the knowledge and the legal infrastructure hasn't kept up with developments on the ground and i think that um the desire to rein them in to some degree uh the regulation may take a while in coming, but it's certainly it's, it's a risk out there. But I also think in a world where governments are now ferociously hungry for cash, uh, they may face a number of tax issues. And I think that uh, a way to deal with, that, with these big tech companies, which are the high flyers, which are driving this market higher, uh, may be just that they get taxed a lot more. And we may find that segment of the market, which has been one of the high flyers, uh, and but faces regulatory risk. It also faces some taxation risk. So I think that's one area that I'm watching, even uh, in terms of having a functional government moving forward. Uh, I think that a number of institutions in the U.S. have been undermined. One of them is the Fed, and we see that with the Fed now committing to keeping interest rates low for you know through 2023, keeping the whole term structure of interest rates low through 2023. They can control market yields out across the curve because they own so many bonds and they can execute uh, buying and selling from their own portfolio uh, to do that, just like they did in the late 40s and early 50s to pay for the aftermath of the Second World War. So we're in an environment where uh, bonds are going to do very poorly, I think, going forward, and there's not a lot of income there. So in this risky environment, politically, you're also going to have people reaching for yield, taking on more risk. So it's a potential nasty combination. And, you know, we, we, if, you know, we can look at the two basic parties and say, okay, suppose we do get a functional government. If it's more Republican, it's going to be more of the same deregulation. 
uh, you know, there won't be any tax increases. There'll be some spe- lot of spending cuts, I suspect, uh, and undermining the social safety net, uh, leaving the states and municipalities in a bit of a pickle. So they'll be scaling back to try to balance their budgets. And that'll be an environment uh, where the economy will probably do okay. Uh, investors will be happy and they'll probably do pretty well. The alternative is a more democratic leaning uh, administration where if they can execute their policies, there'll be some tax increases, uh, there'll be some spending increases, and there'll be uh, more re-regulation, probably mostly on the environmental side, but also on the financial side. So that'll be a little less, that'll be less market friendly uh, going forward. But uh, I think people will be so relieved that you have a functional government, the net net on it will probably be pretty negligible. And then there's a whole range of scenarios of paralysis where, you know, one party wins the House and the White House, the other party wins the Senate, the Senate does a lot of the confirmations, Uh, then you end up with policy paralysis, which means the current status quo gets locked in. Even if you have a Democratic president and if you have a Republican Senate, uh, you end up with paralysis and the status quo. So there are a number of outcomes there that are pretty status quo-y, which I think will be okay for markets and investors. Then there's the potential for uh, a contested election, and there's no rules for that. It's always the, the Constitution and all the stuff around that's been always based on good behavior and normal behavior, but we don't have good and normal behavior now, and you may end up in a situation where the military has to go in and remove them. Uh, if Trump loses, uh, and there'll be you know squawking about whether the election was valid or not, we're already seeing that set up. So it has the potential to really take a shine off of things. And my big concern here is not what really happens to equity markets per se over the next five to ten years, because a lot of the stocks that we look at, and I say we, which would include you and the rest of the investment universe in the U.S., they tend to, well, they're domiciled in the U.S., they trade on the U.S. exchanges. They're really global companies, and they depend on how the global economy does, how global earnings do. And I think from that perspective, they'll be some a little more independent of what happens in the United States than many people think, uh, <clears throat> except the tech companies who face all these tax issues potentially in a range of countries. But... Um, I think it could be more in terms of the U.S. dollar and what happens with commodities. I think a lot of the comments I've made about U.S. institutions being eroded, the Fed being compromised, you know, we've had a big secular bull market in the U.S. dollar since 2011. You've got a big government budget deficit. You've got a big current account deficit, trade deficit. That's that old bad combination of the twin deficits. The U.S. is people are losing confidence in the U.S., uh, and you could end up here, you know, we're, we're due at some point for a, a secular bear market or like a 10 to 15 year bear market in the U.S. dollar. They, they happen. Uh, these things move in these big waves. We're due for a big down leg in the dollar. A lot of the things I'm talking about could make it quite nasty to the downside and inflationary. And when that happens, and usually when the dollar turns down, commodities turn up. So, there's always a, a there's always a money making trade there in some degree, and what we're seeing in gold now is a sign that that there's a belief that that's coming. Gold tends to lead. It led the commodity cycle that started around 2000. Gold turned up in 1999. Oil and the other commodities followed a little after that, and I think that's something we need to watch for over the next few years: is a declining U.S. dollar, uh, rising commodity prices, uh, and 
um, potential for inflation, because as the U.S. dollar comes down, uh, you've got inflationary monetary policy. You could end up with a burst of inflation in the U.S. Other countries who won't want their currencies to go up will run their policies easier, uh, and they'll help distribute that inflation around the world. And we could get a big uh, uh, outcome like we saw in the in the second half of the 60s and into the 70s. So, you know, inflation had been low and rates, interest rates had been really low and equity markets really strong. Uh, and then as you rolled into the 60s, interest, inflation started to pick up on a more sustained basis. Interest rates started to drift up and equity markets peaked in 1966 and they started to move sideways through the 70s. Uh, you had lots of inflation and, you know, very poor in investment returns after, you know, in, in terms of purchase power terms, so after you adjust for inflation. So in, inflation is the worst enemy of investors, and I'm not a, in the inflation camp at this point in time, but that the scenario I've just talked about is something I'm worried about and something that I could see play out over the next several years. Uh, in the meantime, I think we've got low rates, low inflation, rich equity valuations, and stock markets do okay, but three years from now, two years from now, it could be quite different. And that's the scenario that I'm watching for going forward. I worry more about the erosion of the U.S. dollar and the institutions in the U.S. than I do about, you know, some of the short-term implications of the U.S. election. Right. Jack, I want you to look at Jack. You did a great job lining up our guests today. Thank you for doing that. But please, in the interest of time, but jump in with a, with a quick question, because I'm sure I know you've got a few burning ones you want to ask J.J. while we have him here on the line. Sure. I would really just comment on what JJ said there. You know, the, uh, we're getting lots of comments and questions about the election. And really, at this point, um, you're really just guessing on a lot of these questions. You know, who's going to take the White House? Last time, everyone thought Hillary Clinton was going to get in. And um, Trump surprised to the upside. This time, Biden's the, the favorite. And Trump is the underdog again. We'll see what happens there. Who takes the Senate? Because that's a big question. You know, are they going to contest the mail-in voting? And like, like JJ said, is Trump actually going to concede if he loses uh, the White House? So what's going to happen there? But the, the one thing I would say, and JJ touched on it right at the end of all of that, he said right now you have low inflation, you have an accommodative Fed, accommodative fiscal policy, and in that environment, equity should perform exceptionally well. Without question. And again, a weakening U.S. dollar tends to also signal a strengthening global stock market. So the, the U.S. may underperform under that environment, but it too will participate to the upside, just perhaps not as much. But that could also set the stage for a nice long overdue rally in the Canadian market, because the Canadian market during this big bull market we've had has, in fact, lagged the global and specifically the U.S. stock market by a wide margin. Uh, and as such, uh, every dog has its day. Of course, Baxter, my little golden doodle, has been barking through the show. Uh, he usually barks when he doesn't like somebody, but he's barking at some other dog out there. Who knows? It's all part of COVID-19. The work-at-home theme continues. Uh, we continue to social distance because I don't want to get sick, and I don't want any of you to get sick. No, we all want to be healthy and wealthy. And, yes, your health is your wealth. Uh, that said, uh, money can uh, certainly solve some problems. Uh, you can you can certainly have not enough, but you can never have too much of it, I shall believe. And if you have too much of it, you get some to charity. And uh, thanks, by the way, Jack. Uh, thank you for your generous donation to uh, Covenant House. I'll say Jack donated $1,000 to Covenant House as I gave him probably a $10,000 record collection. Well worth it, my good friend. You spend that record. <laughs> you enjoy it. He's getting some speaker stands speaker stand thrown in. <laughs> All for no cost. He doesn't combine. Pick it up. Hurry up, Jack. Come on, get it. Oh, my good friend. Saturday night, I wish you a great, safe evening. 
Uh, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio. Tell everyone about it if you want them to become wealthy, just like you, uh, on the Global News Radio Network, 640 Toronto. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.